The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. And joining uh, Don today is Jay Llewellyn. Uh, Jay Llewellyn. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Good morning. Good morning. So lots of chatter in the last week. Uh, and we've been talking about this for years about uh, interest rates that were all of a sudden even lower due to a, uh, a pandemic. And now uh, the Bank of Canada is certainly signaling that uh, things are on the rise. So uh, I guess Jay credit scores are even more important as a result of all of this. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people aren't aware what what their credit score is. Um, I don't know. Scott, have you ever checked your credit score? No, I have no. Don do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny enough. You're right. I, and usually people only know if it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. That's that's just it. So uh, today I want to talk about what, what a credit score is, who uses it, why do you use it, why it's important, uh, what does it actually translate to? So generally people don't look at it like Don said don't look at it unless the, it's a negative um, if it's a positive or if it's if it's somewhere in the middle no one really cares as long as you get approved for your your mortgage your loan your car loan whatever it is you don't really pay attention to it so i would say that um, the a credit score is basically what they do is they base it on your ability to pay back a debt. So if someone's looking to lend you money, um, they want to look at your credit score and say, okay, if it's, if it's in a certain range, are you able to pay back that money? Otherwise they don't want to lend you the money or they'll, they'll change the terms of that loan. So the best way to, to not be concerned. And, and the reason Scott and Don and, and myself aren't worried about it is you pay your, you pay your debts. Um, you pay them on time. You, you make sure you don't borrow more than you should. Um, and, and you make sure you have a clean credit and, and that's why that's why we haven't had to worry about. But there's lots of people out there that you know. There's different circumstances that happen in life where where you carry a small balance on a credit card or or a line of credit. You know, doing a renovation on your home, for an example. Um, a lot of people in the last two years have done renovations on homes, and they're carrying a balance on a line of credit. So they've got a let's say they've got a mortgage and they've got a line of credit, and if they're maxing out that line of credit, that looks that looks not as good on your credit score. Um, even though you're making the payments and if you're making minimum payments on, on the line of credit, if you've maxed it out, um, that looks poor on a, on a credit rating. Um, they, the, I talked to TransUnion and they were saying that basically you don't want to go over 30% of your limit. So a mortgage is one thing, you know, you get approved for a mortgage, but any auxiliary loans, lines of credit, credit cards, you don't want to go over the 30% or carry more than 30% of the balance. So let's say you're approved for a hundred thousand dollar line of credit. You to keep your credit score in check, you wouldn't want to go over the 30,000 or keep that balance. You could borrow a hundred thousand as long as you pay it off immediately. Um, but you don't want to carry that balance over the 30%. And I, again, I get it that people have to have to borrow money and they borrow that money for a reason. But if you want to keep a clean credit score, um, that's what you're looking at, um, keeping it under that 30%. So credit scores, what are they? How, what, you know, what does it mean? You know, you got a, a credit score of 800. What does that mean? So they range basically from about 300 to 900 points is, is their system that they use. Um, 760 being a decent credit score or an excellent credit score. 800 and above is, is really good. Um, 660 to 
to 760 is is decent. It's it's not great. Um, under 660, you're looking at a poor credit rating, and and people say, well, I'm at 550. That seems to be good out of 900. It's you know middle of the road. Well, it isn't. Um, 660 is where uh, the bank starts to to challenge you on rates. The bank would start challenge you challenge you on maybe declining a loan um, and giving you unfavorable terms. You know, paying off a loan a lot quicker than you want to. So I, I use the, the analogy of uh, Lord of the Flies holding the conch. The, the better credit rating you have, the, 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 you hold the conch when you go into, in, into negotiating at the banks. So, um, and really, it's, it, Jay, it's, it's kind of interesting because this is one of the biggest mysteries out there, this credit store. You know, everybody kind of gets out there and they find out. And, and you know what? As, as a, you know, a, a layperson, you know, 660 sounds like a great deal. Like that's mm-hmm. 73% of 900. He's good like, well, good, that's, good that's, adding. That's good math, Don. Very that's good. like a B. Oh, I used the calculator. Don't worry, Jay. Seventy-three point three three. But you think, oh well, that's you know, that's a B. You know, B is pretty good if you looked at a school rating. But it doesn't work for um, you know, it doesn't work for credit scores. No, it's it's funny. I I during this process, I've I've checked my credit score a bunch of times online on the online banking apps that they have, and just click the button and see what it is. And and someone once told me that you know, checking your credit score all the time is not a good thing. Well, I've got funny, you, you talk about myths of, of credit scores, Don. So I've got a bunch of myths about credit scores. So checking your credit score personally doesn't affect it. doesn't change anything. Um, you can check it as many times as you want. So wait um, a sec, there was a myth out there that people thought if you check your credit score too often, that it will lower your credit score. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I've heard that too, actually. But it it's, it's tongue in cheek a little bit. So if you check it, it's okay. But if you you've got the bank checking for you or if you're applying for credit and let's say you apply for 12 different credit cards and don't take right. any of them. The fact that there's been an inquiry 12 times on your credit works against you. Right. Um, so that's one of those myths. You can check it as many times, click that button on your online banking as many times as you want. But as soon as a third party checks your credit, that that works against you. Right. Um, closing credit cards. Uh, one of the myths is closing your credit cards helps improve your your credit health. Well, it seems logical. You know, you don't have any credit cards and, and you, you cancel all the credit cards and you think you're in, in good standing. You don't need credit cards. So why why wouldn't that work in your favor? Well, what happens with generating credit is you you actually show that you're in good standing and that you're able to manage credit. So having a credit card and paying it off monthly is, is a good thing. And that those that that history or that um, the uh, the the history of you paying off that credit card allows the credit company to say, okay, this guy can actually, or girl can pay off this credit card on a, on a systematic basis. So that never gets, that never gets erased. What does get erased is any negative activity. So if you've got negative activity on a, on a credit card um, that stays with you for seven years. So good credit, good payments stay with you forever. So if you've got a credit card that you've been very diligent and paid off, you want to keep that. Um, I know there's other credit cards that are offered out there that may may seem better than others. So so you want to switch companies. And, and if you've got good credit, it shouldn't really work against you and you shouldn't worry about it so much. But um, canceling credit cards and, and getting new credit cards uh, every other year doesn't prove for good credit. Um, one other miss is that co-signing doesn't affect your credit. Well, it can. If, if you co-sign for a loan and, and it becomes delinquent, that's on you. Um, and that works against your credit, even if you're not the, the principal on the, on, the, on the loan or on, on the property. Um, another myth is higher income brings, brings you your higher score on credit. So 
income has nothing to do with your credit score. Um, the higher you make or the more money you have, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a higher credit score. The ability, just because you have more money or, or make more money, doesn't mean you have to stop making payments on your credit cards um, or on your loans. Um, just because you, you've got a fortune in the bank doesn't mean that they're going to they're going to forgive um, forgive forgive any loans. Actually, um, so Jay, it's a, it's kind of interesting too. You mentioned about co-signing, and I've had a client co-sign for their you know, daughter or son and they had bad credit score. So they had mm. to have somebody co-sign the loan. Right. And the worst part about it was the reason they had bad credit scores because they just kept missing bills, payments, and they had the money to do so. They just were you know, negligent in doing so. However, there's a communication gap because they had to co-sign and, and, this, and the daughter or son continued to miss payments. They didn't know it affected their credit score too. So like you mentioned, it's one thing to co-sign, you're being a good person or really trying to help out your son or daughter, but then they come back and lower your credit score and you don't even know. So it's extremely important. And then they actually had to help make sure they made their bill payments every and make phone calls. So it was uh, an interesting lesson, but I wasn't aware either that co-signing would, would reduce the co-signers. Credit and then score. shortly after that, they what, grounded them? I mean, holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, these are like 25, 30 year olds, right? How about so, a red uh, flag here or there? Yeah. No timeouts when you're an adult, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. So a couple other things. Uh, paying the minimum keeps your, your score up. Um, you, yeah, you want to make sure you make your payments, but paying the minimum if you've maxed out a credit card, again, coming back to what I said earlier, you don't want to have that minimum or the, the balance over 30% of what they've, what they've lent you. Uh, divorce from your ex. So if your ex has bad credit and you divorce and, and you think that you're going to get cleared of all bad debts that maybe your ex had, not true. Uh, if you're on any joint accounts with your ex or, or still uh, connected in any way uh, on credit cards. So you want to make sure if you do go through a divorce, you, you get removed from all credit cards, all loans, all lines of credit. Even if you're not the principal on any of those cards, you want to make sure that you're removed from that um, because that stays with you. Um, another myth is that all credit reports are the same. So they basically have two companies in Canada, um, Equifax and TransUnion, and they, they both report to banks and some banks will use one or the other um, for their services. Um, they're different. Um, one report may show one, one thing and one will show another thing. So you want to keep an eye on both. You it's free, free service. You can call or contact both of them. They'll give you the information. They'll let you know what is owing, um, what's outstanding. You know, I looked at mine and it had a, a credit card from, from one of the banks here in, in the city or in, in Hamilton here. And I, I said, geez, I never had an account with them even. I don't understand how it did. So what I had done is I had set a credit card up when I was in university. You know, when you're, you walk by the booth and they give you, they give you well, a $500 sure, limit. It. Yeah, I'll yeah. take it for sure. So you get I, a free I, I think I got free Tupperware too. or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you get free uh, chicken wings with that. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> I gave all my friends chicken wings. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so I signed up for one of these cards and I never used it. And I cut it up, like literally chopped it in half and threw it out and never thought anything of it. I got my free Tupperware or whatever they gave me. Um, and it was on my credit and it was just sitting there and it was a $500 limit or something like that. But it was there 20 years later hmm. and I, I didn't realize it. It didn't work against me, but um, just having those things, you want to keep an eye on, make sure there's no outstanding credit that's just looming that someone could access per chance or, or that you just don't know about. So Jay, um, how would you get that taken off? For example, there's your credit card. You, it's been gone forever. How do you fix that? 
Yep. So you got to contact the institution. So uh, another one that was that's famous is you know Sears doesn't exist anymore. A lot of people had Sears cards. So wow. how do you get that? So you got to contact Sears Credit. So it's a little bit of a little bit of a wormhole that you have to go down, or a rabbit wow. hole that you have to go down to to find out. But it, it's not an easy task, especially if you don't have account numbers. So when you when you click on those. Uh, TransUnion reports or the or the Equifax report, it only gives you partial numbers. So mm. it's it's a little bit of a challenge to to get it off your mm. record. It took me probably uh, I'd say probably about two hours to get that that one really? credit card off. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> just mm. calling people upon people upon people. So yeah. yeah, it's not an easy not an easy task. Uh, the last thing that uh, that is a misconception as well is is bankruptcy. So if you declare bankruptcy, people think that you know once you declare bankruptcy, seven years later it's off your record, and, and you're you're free and clear. And this is this is probably true to uh, for the borrowing side of things. Um, you know, banks will lend you money after a six or seven year period if you have declared bankruptcy. You know, you've got income to prove that you're you're in good standing. You haven't had any other delinquent charges in the last six years. But the thing is that for up to 14 years, it still shows on your credit report. So even though it's it's fine and, and the banks will lend you money, your credit report is still tarnished for up to 14 years. Um, that's just a report from, again, from TransUnion. So again, coming back to positive tra- transactions stay in your report indefinitely. Uh, negative, uh, negative transactions can stay on up to seven to 14 years. So um, how do you get a perfect credit score? I don't know. I haven't seen one. Um, I don't do a lot of, Donna and I don't do a lot of credit searches for people. It's more on the, on the lending side, but I've never seen one. I'd love to see one. If any of our listeners have a, a perfect credit, credit score, email us and, and let us know that you got a perfect credit score because we'd be, we'd be happy to meet with you. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. You know, it's that time of year, Don, where people are doing, uh, you know, a lot of things tidying up for the year ahead, uh, planning and such, and uh, Will's part of that. But what if you're asked to be an executor and, and oversee all of this? Yeah, it's, it's one of those things like, oh, wow, that's an honor. But at the same time, whoa, do I really want that responsibility? And here you are, you're the one that's, you know, pretty good at your your job and you're, you're usually really busy it seems like the busier you are the more chance you're going to be to be asked to be an executor so, and and it's the responsible ones are always asked to be to be the executor and it is a big job you know people don't often understand just how much work there is until they do it and then at the same token it, it's not like you get to practice this um yeah. you do it generally once uh, you might do being the executor a couple of times over your life, but it's not something you could do on an over and over basis. So you're not necessarily good at it. It's, it's almost like if you do your tax return and, and you just did it. And then five, 10 years later, you did another tax return. Well, you got to relearn everything again. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're doing a few a year, maybe all your kids, you kind of get the drift of it. Same idea with an executor. So 
the first thing I would say to the person that, you know, to that it would leave the estate is get all your affairs in order, make it as easy as possible to for your executor. So down the road, and we have a we have a personal record organizer um, brochure to help with you know everybody basically, and it goes through all your personal records, you know, fin financial institutions you deal with, um, even all your some of your passwords on your banking and so forth. So you have everything there, and, and put this all in your safe. Um, you know, where, where is every medical, um, who are your doctors, funeral arrangements, and your domestic contacts, all your kids' information, your grandkids' information, if, if, will, if needed, insurance policies, where are they, who, who are they with, securities, who's your financial planner? And the good thing is, if you are dealing with a true financial planner, they will have a lot of this data. So when, when clients call us, or the unfortunately, it's when the uh, executor calls us and said, oh, yeah, we, we know who that person is. Oh, yeah, this is their account. Oh, yeah, we, we have a lot of this information. So we can pass on this. Once we know for sure they are actually the executor, we have to show proof of this first, that it is in their will. So we'll look at their will first. But if everything is checks out, then we're more than happy to pass on all this, all this information. So that's the first thing. It's just kind of have everything really organized and make the job a lot easier. Then there's uh, quite the checklist. And if you're an executor, step one is you got to look at the funeral arrangements. And, and that's just, you know, it seems fairly straightforward. It's done right after somebody passes away. But well, what about organ donation? Did they want that? Well, find that will. Where is that will? Um, make the actual arrangements. Provide for the uh, death certificate from the government. Request eight copies of the statement of death from the funeral home. And eight might be on the light side. You know, you just get a big chunk. Now I got to say the funeral homes are really good at doing this and they generally will just help you along with this. Now that also, I want to mention funeral homes, they offer a service to help the executors. And it's, I think it's generally around $600 and they will do a lot of the running around for executors. Now I personally, if it made it that much easier, and I'm going to go through a, different, a few different uh, organizations that look after this for you. But if it's $600, that would come right off the estate as a cost. And yes, um, absolutely, the beneficiaries would get $600 less. But that is a small fee to pay, considering all the other things that have to be done. Coordinate care for the dependents and pets. What do you do with the pets? No, where's Rover go? Okay. Is there, do they actually have somebody that wants this, this pet? You know, that's, a I would, decision. I would, I would keep them away from that dog walker. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yes. Um, concentrate on the deceased banks and insurance payments, such as the utilities and all the other costs are continued, such as electricity bills and, and gas bills, etc. Coordinate with family members to notify friends and family of passing. And of course, confirm the payment of the funeral. And I often suggested for to clients, you know, they always ask, should I prepay my funeral or or not? And that's, uh, you know, I don't necessarily say it's a great investment. You're outlaying say ten thousand dollars now, and yes, it goes up over time. But I do like prearranged funerals, so that you've already gone to the funeral home, you've you've got you've picked out everything you want, and the music, everything, it's already done. So nobody has to make this call, of course, generally at the worst time to make these kind of decisions right after somebody dies. Hey Don, one so, thing. Sorry, Don. I, yeah, go ahead. Just, 
maybe explain to the listeners a difference between uh, you know prepaid and, and prearranged. So some people think they have to pay for everything up front as opposed to arranging those, making the arrangements, right? So a lot of people will prepay their funerals and have everything arranged, but there's also the option of just prearranging without the prepayment as well, right? Yeah, you don't even have to pay anything. You know, in fact, the uh, funeral homes love this. They know they got future business coming. Mm-hmm. So they, they, everything's organized. They have your file there and everything's laid out. And yeah, there's no cost to do this. Um, the funeral home will know that they're going to get paid down the road. So a good point, Jay. Yeah. Um, first notifications, apply for that Canada pension plan death benefit. So the estate would get the $2,500. Again, the funeral homes are actually quite good at um, helping along with this. Um, CPP survivors benefits and also um, children under 25 for benefits also. Uh, CRA notification up updating the records so they know you've passed away and again even the old old age security guaranteed income supplement let them know of the passing so that the payments stop because if you do receive these old age, old age security checks even after the person has passed away you got to give that money back they don't like paying people that have already passed away so you, it, it's you don't think you're going to fool them once they see the death certificate they'll be asking for the money back uh secure all the hard assets and so what you need to do is find and secure all the assets, such as your house, the contents of the house and other real estate. Know where everything is. You don't want any, you know, neighbor, beneficiary, what have you. All of a sudden things go missing. So it's great to get in there and take some pictures, find out where everything is and start writing a list uh, and have your mail forwarded so that the na- mail will continue to go somewhere it may not go you don't want a big pile of mail landing at at the deceased person's house and of course and notify all the uh, utility companies landlords property maintenance alarm companies there's just a, a a huge checklist which we were more than happy to pass on this checklist secure the financial assets and, and really this is all about trying to find out what are the expenses and debts and the person that passed away may have had a debt they may have had um a, uh, a mortgage on their house that they use to give the money, you know, su- to survive. You know, there, it's actually interesting when somebody passes away, what's actually happening behind the, under the sheet, so to speak, because you actually find out a lot more. Um, cancel those credit cards, as Jay just mentioned, uh, get on top of those credit cards and debit cards and notify all the banks and brokers, investment advisors, and the insurers what's going on. Uh, inform beneficiaries eventually. Now, this doesn't have to be done right away. This is usually done 30 to 45 days after the funeral. And this is when you've kind of got some transparency so that you can allow the beneficiaries to know what they will be entitled to as far as a percentage. They may not actually know the amount, but you've already gone through the inventory of assets and you kind of got an idea of the value at the date of death. But there's often a lot of income tax to pay. So but you can at least let the beneficiaries you are now named in the will. And so, you know, they, they could be expecting some money. Um, the biggest Don, thing can I is ask really, a question here. Absolutely, uh, ask, Scott. What, what is the responsibility of the executor to the beneficiaries? Uh, how much do they have to uh, provide? How much transparency? They have to provide really what they're entitled to. Um, and I've seen some very aggressive beneficiaries saying, I need, you know, it's great. I got this 25% of the estate. I want that money right away. They do not have to pay this. Mm-hmm. It, may, it has to go through probate. Probate does not have to be, cannot 
be rushed. It can take up to nine months mm. for probate to happen. And if in, in some cases you may be the beneficiary on say a TFSA that does not go through probate, but it's still in that case, you still have to go through the death certificate, still has to go through the institution to make sure that they're paying it to the right people too. So just because a person has passed away and I literally had one person I know, um, he started calling me after their mother passed away, asking, says, okay, well, she hasn't been, she hadn't been buried yet. Oh my. And I'm saying, okay, well, this is a little on the strange side. Anyway, it wasn't just me. It was then, then the executor, that person was then asking the executor time and time again, when can I get my money? And I'm saying, I've, I kept thinking to myself, okay, what if your mother didn't pass away? Like, how long were you going to wait? Or you were going to go bankrupt? Was this <laughs> yeah. an emergency? Yeah. So, and this has not happened just once. This happened a few times. And it's, it's, a, it's amazing, you know, and you see the person at the funeral home and thinking, okay, nobody else knows what's going on. I do. And I'm thinking, wow, it, this is a shock. So <laughs> the executor has the ultimate responsibility on when they get to pay it out. And on top of that, they should not just pay everything out because they should leave at least 80%, uh, sorry, 20% back for potential things that could happen that they hadn't thought of. Income tax is a big one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, making sure that they have enough money for the income tax. So they have to go through kind of a, a trial income tax return and usually sit down with a financial planner. And often I find that if you're dealing with the financial planner that the deceased was using, they'll know a lot more what's going on with the assets. So you'll know the capital gains, you'll know the, the RSP money or, or RIF money that was cashed in, and you'll get a pretty good idea how much you can expect to pay for income tax. And so then, so the, the best thing, the best advice I can give is never tell the beneficiaries how much you can expect because mm -hmm. there is tax. Mm. But it says you are entitled 25% or whatever the percentage is, but be careful on the, on the amount because you don't want them buying a motorhome right out of the get-go and find out you can only afford half a motorhome. <laughs> okay. Oh, you know, Don, you make a good point about uh, people calling, you know, before they're even in the ground type thing. And a lot of people believe that they've got to wrap up the estate in a, in a quick hurry. And, and they're, they, if they're the executor, they think they've got all this pressure to, to wrap everything up as fast as possible. And it, we've seen estates take years to wrap up and, and not even complex estates, just very simple estates, but take years to wrap up. So yeah, I would say that, you know, the misconception of an executor is that you've got a duty to do and you have to do it quickly. And you, you want to be methodical and make sure that you've crossed all your T's, dotted all your I's. And like Don said, make sure you've got reserves set aside. But yeah, the misconception that you have to wrap it up immediately, like before the funeral is over is, yeah. is, not, is not the case. Yeah, not at all. And it, it is, it's a huge responsibility to make sure you've done this properly because you don't want to be held liable for things you did wrong. And one of the things is I had one client, they passed, uh, you know, the, the person passed away and they were, they left money to the two sisters. Well, the money was left in high risk stocks. And so my suggestion right at the get go was, okay, sell the stocks now because you don't know what these stocks will do. They might go up dramatically or they might go down. They said, well, my brother was a big fan of these stocks. I, we're just going to keep them. Well, this is the executor making this decision. Well, sure enough, it didn't work out that way. And the stocks dropped by half. Well, the beneficiaries of the estate are saying, okay, they're worth, say, $100,000 at the date of death. Now they're only worth $50,000. Who's responsible for that loss? 
and it could wow. be the executor. And so to bring this money into cash, particularly you have to look at the assets. You may have a conversation with the beneficiaries asking for their advice on this. But if the beneficiaries say, I want it all in cash now in case the market drops, you have no choice. You have to sell it and make sure. So you're probably getting a good idea that this is not a simple, a simple task and it's, it can take a long time. Um, ideally, it's somebody that has the time, but funny enough, it never seems to work that way. So there is some services out there that help out. And one is, uh, again, the funeral, the funeral home itself will often have a service that will cost a little around $600. Canada Life, actually. And anybody that has a Canada Life, if the deceased has a Canada Life insurance policy, they offer a service. And it's outstanding. I just found out about this uh, in the last couple of weeks. For a flat fee of $510 plus tax, okay, it sounds like I'm doing a commercial here, but they will look at a lot of things. They will, they will handle all the government letters applications, notifications, membership and licenses. They'll go over the pensions, benefits, life insurance policies, loyalty programs and, and subscriptions. They'll go find dormant bank accounts. They'll look at the charities, internet, phone, cable bills, property taxes, utilities. They'll actually fill in all the paperwork for you. That wow. for me, like, wow. I don't know how much this takes, how much, how long this takes to do because I, I, I just, I would know it would take a long time. They've, they're doing it all the time. So they know what to look for. I said, what a great service. And it's called um, uh, Estate at Ease. And uh, you know, all, all these uh, testimonials saying what a great service it would be. It's a discount for people that passed away that had a Canada Life policy. But even if you don't, the service is around $650. Okay. So that's one part of it. And, and there is services out. You do not have to do this by yourself. And for, honestly, if it's $1,000 or less, and you could get a lot of help, and, and again, depends how complicated the estate is. If it's simply a bank account, and it was your, your mother passing away, and that's all that was left, and she was an old age home, well, that might be pretty straightforward. And you're the sole beneficiary, even easier. Not a problem. But if there's lots of beneficiaries, this could get quite complicated. We have a lot of pamphlets on estate planning that can help in not only the executor, but the senior um, to help the executors so down the road and one last thing it get, does get a little tricky at times um, trying to find somebody to look after the the services say if you wanted a trust service and if I, I just recently came across something where the it would you know the, the it would get probated and the executors would be two brothers well it turns out the two brothers aren't getting along anymore but you could imagine the kind of fights that could happen yeah. if, if they're not on the same page. And so there is some services out there that will allow. So basically you're paying for somebody to look after your estate, depending on the size of the estate, it may be very well worth it, but you don't want to have massive fights in your family or they're just not, you have nobody that you trust to look after these affairs um, after you pass away. And so there is some services, a lot of the trust companies will offer this. Concentra is another one. And they'll go through all, all this. They charge a fee, but you don't have to worry about um, handling any of the estate. And they look after it for you. So it, it does take the arguments out of the estate, potentially. They can now, they look at, they, they become the bad person and everybody else is okay. <laughs> at the end of the day, really, estate planning should start early and make it as easy, you can, easy as you can for the executor. 
We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Obviously, with interest rates and, and inflation and such, we know how hard it is to buy a home. Uh, mortgages are going to be a pretty um, important topic as we head into this year. Absolutely. And I think they've been a top of mind for a lot of people with, like you said, with last week, there's been no change in the interest rates um, from the government, but looming is, is rising interest rates. So people are confused, not sure what to do. Should we lock in? Should we, should we go variable? Should we do one year? Um, should we pay down the mortgage? There's just so many different variables that are out there right now. And I just want to kind of shed some light on that. So mortgage debt right now in Canada is at its highest level ever. So $1.73 trillion is what is out there in mortgages right now as of June, actually, not not as of right now. Um, You know, it's hard to translate what that number really means. We have to want to try and figure out what, how do we make that meaningful? So that's an increase of almost 10%, 9.3% over last year. So that, that makes it a little bit more meaningful to me, says people are borrowing a heck of a lot more. And, and how is that? How are they able to borrow more? Are, are we making more money? Not, not 10% more, not everyone, um, but it's the equity in your home. So a lot of people have equity in their homes now. The value has gone up so much, so they're able to borrow more based on that. Or they pay down their mortgage and they're, they're borrowing more for renovations or, or family cottages or vacation homes or something like that. So the, the rate has got to a point where the government's stepping in and saying, okay, our rates are, 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 have never been higher. This is, this is maybe getting out of control. So it's, it's, it's borrow beware. Um, it's nice that the, the bank allows you to, uh, to borrow more money, but as I talked earlier, it, it, the more you borrow, sometimes it can work against your credit score. So you want to be mindful of that. Um, it can also cripple your financial plan. So if you've, if you've borrowed more and you haven't really planned for that, just because the bank lends you more money doesn't mean you need to take advantage of it. Um, it's great. It makes you feel good that they've, they're able to lend you more, but don't use it all the time, um, especially not for race cars or or bicycles like Don does. <laughs> <laughs> not the race car part. Just the okay, not the race car, just, just bicycles. Um, so, uh, you know, another study by Angus Reid came out and said that 70%, 76% of Canadians don't feel comfortable or in control of their financial situation. So that number one is debt. So people are, are at obviously higher than normal debt levels. And then number one was in insufficient savings. So that ratio, it goes hand in hand. Don and I see it all the time where, where people have extended themselves on debt and they forget about the savings plan. And sitting down with Don and I, we, we often put people back in check and put that plan back in check um, because, because debt has gotten out of control for a lot of people. And, and I shouldn't say out of control because it seems like it's in control because rates are so low right now and it's easy to make those payments. Again, coming back to that credit score, it's easy to make the minimum payments, but it's when, when those interest rates start to creep up where it gets a little, little dicey for some people and, and they're not ready for it. So it's coming. It's 
those rates are rising and they've warned us for the last two years that they were in a rising interest rate environment. They haven't done it yet. So uh, hold on to your seats. It's coming. Um, and and I, I fear for some people. So make sure you've got a plan in place. You know, I love the odds makers. They say that they were saying that it's a 70, 70% chance that rates will go up this week or, or last yeah. week, sorry. And the 70% chance was wrong. So it's almost like betting on the Super Bowl, right? You just don't know <laughs> what, what's going to happen here. So you can't predict rates, whether they're going to go up or down. You have no crystal ball um, or whether they're going to stay constant. So what do you do? Um, so you shop around. Make sure you, you do your homework. You shop around buyer beware. Uh, rate isn't everything. Um, rate is something, definitely, but um, they can be short-term rates. They can be promotional rates. Um, there's also disadvantages on some of these some of these really crafty rates that come out there, and they seem great, and they're advertised online, um, that they're better than everyone else. Um, but there are some catches, though. There can be penalties that are, are implemented on those mortgages if you don't if you want to pay it off early or if you want to move that mortgage to another mortgage with with the volatile rates that are going on with 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 interest rates right now, there is opportunity sometimes. So rates go up and down based on future future projections. So if you're in, locked into a, a high interest rate mortgage in the next year or so, and then rates go back down, you might want to get out of that. So getting into a mortgage where there's severe penalties, you, you want to make sure you're not locking into something like that. Um, yeah, you might get a great rate, but you'll pay on the back end in penalties if you, if you want to break it. Um, prepayment options on mortgages. Uh, a lot of people, again, have a lot of cash flow. They haven't spent their money traveling in the last little while. So you want to make sure that there's prepayment options on a mortgage. If, if you're restricted on how much you can pay down on that mortgage, you'll be paying all kinds of interest. When you've got money sitting in the bank doing nothing, you might as well pay down that mortgage. And if you don't have that option to prepay those, that mortgage down, um, great that you got a great rate, but you can't pay it off. Um, because they, they don't give you those prepayment options. So there's lots of different variables. Do your homework with that for sure. Um, people always ask us mortgage broker versus a traditional uh, institution like IG Wealth Management using using our services for mortgages, which, which one's better. I would say do your homework again. Um, see which one's got the better rate. See which one's got the better product for you. Uh, consult consult with your, your financial planner and make sure that you've gone through uh, what's most important to you. Rates most important, great, but is flexibility important? Is, is it affordable? Um, what did you get approved for? Um, so there's lots of different things. I always say, make sure you consult with a financial professional. Um, otherwise, otherwise you're in a, in a position where you're kind of blind going into it. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. A break here. We're coming right back to the last segment. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Uh, how to retire nowish? What does yes. nowish mean, Don? <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of made up a word there, but it kind of goes with the theme today with with everything going on. Like this first part of the year, my gosh, like what happened? To, it's like, you know, the markets are going up and down. Like one day, just a couple of weeks ago, the U.S. stock market was down 5%. 
during the middle of the day, but mm. it ended up positive by the end of the day. And it's just, you're seeing this massive volatility. You're having these interest rates and they shot the, you know, the shot the across the bow about, okay, we're going to have interest rates rise in March. It's like a warning shot. But, uh, and so the markets react and they were up and down during that day, a couple weeks back. And so inflation and what's going to happen there. So there's a lot of things. There's always something to worry about when you manage money. And so what about now? And also we just had some phenomenal years in the stock market and inflation, like I said, is running at 30 year highs. You're going to go back to the nineties to see inflation this high. So, you know, and then interest rates are definitely going to be going. And this is a strain too on retirees. retirees. So what do we do? Well, First of all, it, there's a lot of us. And when I say us, I'm not quite there yet, but uh, there's a lot of retirees. There's a greater percentage of people in that retirement market than ever. And uh, Canadians are, the average age of Canadians is going up. The baby boomers are kind of fully going into that phase now. And so interest rates, you throw it and be safe. Let's go out and have it in a, something that earns interest and be safe. You know, that, that's not going to work too well. You know, when interest rates are low, inflation's high, you're guaranteed you're going to have a negative real rate of return. And what real rates mean is after inflation, how much money did you make? Um, you know, the good news is, though, is retirees' portfolios have done extremely well. So they could have a little flexibility and their homes have gone up tremendously. And that's always, you know, you could, a potential for uh, downsizing or uh, maybe down the road renting, you know. So that's, there is some positives here. But you really, what you need to do is kind of get grounded. You need a risk assessment. Take a look, and, and every financial institution offers a risk assessment tool and find out what portfolio makes sense. Because it's kind of interesting when the markets are going up, nobody considers that risk. If it goes up 30%, oh, that's okay. No, that's not risky. But if it goes down 10, oh boy, look at, look, how, uh, look at the portfolio drop now. Now it's risky. Volatility is a measurement of how much things go up and down. So, you know, certainly we've seen year to date the volatility and and we have had a few phone calls wondering what we should do because we didn't have much volatility in 2021. In fact, the, the worst case was a 5% drop in the market. On average, the market has dropped um, over 10%, 22 out of the last 42 years. So more than half the time the market drops over 10% intra-year, somewhere during the year. So, you know, and it's one thing when you're accumulating money, accumulating money is easy when the market drops great you're buying more shares when they're down but of course if you're drawing out money it's a different story nobody likes to sell when it's down and so and, and we've talked about the Monte Carlo analysis many times and how you know it's very good to say okay I'm getting a five percent rate of return and I can therefore take out five percent it doesn't work that way because of the volatility so what you need to do is look at your withdrawal rate and and say, okay, 4% rule usually works. Some are even saying you might want to go in a 3.5% rule, which means take out, if you have a million dollars, take out 35,000 a year. That's 3.5%. 4%, again, and this is all based on your age too. The younger you are, the lower the percentage. But you may want to consider kind of a three bucket rule. The first bucket would be your retirement income. And that's more longer term. So you can say, okay, I'm going to have a certain amount per month coming out of that bucket. The second bucket would be that big purchase. I need some money and pretty safe stuff. And I'm going to be making some bigger purchases somewhere in the next five years. Certainly do not want to be as volatile in terms of um, the standard deviation of the investments in that bucket. And finally, it's the third bucket would be very safe. Okay, I 
you know, have an emergency fund. And, and just in case the markets do drop, you don't have to pull money out of the first bucket. So have some money just on the side so that you can delay pulling money out of the, your retirement income in the first bucket. By doing that, you'll certainly help your situation. Um, and one last uh, area, well, actually two other things is def- delaying OAS and CPP is a fantastic hedge against the current inflation rates because these are index. This, these are awesome pensions. And you look right now, the old age security maximum is $642 a month at 65. And the CPP max is $1,253 a month at, at 65. So that's $1,895 a month if you were maximized, if you were able to get both. Um, if you delayed it to 70, the OAS gets increased by 36% and the CPP gets in, increased by 42%. So that ends up increasing your, your monthly to $2,653 a month. That's $757 a month right now. But if you had a 3% inflation rate, that actually jumps up. And therefore you'd get even more because it ends up at $878 a month at a 3% inflation rate, just by deferring till 70. Now it may not be feasible for you, but this is what you need to talk to your financial planner. What's the best strategy right now, or should I say now wish? Okay. There you go. Now nice. I should explain. Nice yeah. job. Nice job. <laughs> we have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Jay Llewellyn have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Another great show, gentlemen. Thanks so much. Have a great week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.